Last time on Improv Tabletop, our heroes, Captain Gimo, the servant Talon, and the polar bear Sue, were adrift at sea, a strange new island before them. They left their sinking ship to try and get to the shore when they were attacked by some gummy sharks who came up from the bottom of the root beer sea to attack them. But with resourceful thinking and some good combat maneuvers, they defeated the sharks and made their way to the Pop Rock shore, where their cabin boy Jim managed to find a journal which had been left behind by some previous inhabitants of this island with a cryptic rhyme inside that shall never be repeated. Um, the cryptic rhyme led them to figure out how to get into the bunker that apparently all the previous inhabitants had made their way into to avoid a massive coconut snowstorm that was coming in from the sea. So following the cryptic rhyme, they went up the trail to find the right river that wasn't poisonous. Maybe it was poisonous. Uh, there, was, there were trees there. Nobody's really sure what happened, but eventually they found the right stream that led them to the pie crust road, that led them to the geysers, that they stuffed turtles inside, and it was from those turtles that Jim, poor sweet Jim, was propelled into the sky by some skullduggery from Talon. As Jim sailed away off into the distance, a single flake of coconut began to fall from the sky. What is going to happen? Are our heroes going to be able to avoid this snowstorm? What's on the other side of that door to the bunker? Let's find out in the world of Desert Island. What's shaking, everybody? You are listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Evan Peterson, I swear it was an accident. Uh, Christian Randall, it wasn't an accident. And the Ken of Steel, saw the whole thing. All right. So, you guys now have in front of you this door built into the side of the Rock Candy Mountain that presumably leads down to the bunker that you have heard of. And the first few flakes of coconut are beginning to fall down. As you look out across the root beer sea, you can see the foamy tan suds that are building up on top of it are starting to become more white as the coconut begins to gather on top of them. You can see the massive clouds coming in over the ocean towards the island. So it's going to be upon you pretty quick. All right, team. We may have lost a mediocre man, but... The best of us are still here. We can do this. We need to find the previous inhabitants' stronghold before the flakes all fall. Oh, yes, of course, sir. I think you should lead the way, obviously. Oh, that's very kind of you. I, I think I will. <clears throat> if uh, you won't mind giving me a hand with this door here. I'd like to try to wedge my cutlass into it and give it a good shove to see if I can pry it open. All right, go ahead and roll to overcome forcefully. That is a plus one. All right. So you jam it in there and you pry it and you pry it and it takes some doing and your cutlass kind of bends a little in the process. But finally, you hear a crack coming from uh, the rock candy making up this door and it begins to slide open on the ground. <sighs> well, I, I always knew it would be that way. So, so simple and easy there. Uh, I uh, did the opening, so uh, does anyone else want to go into the dark foreboding cave first? I think I smell something sweet. Follow me. All right. You begin traversing your way down into these tunnels, 
And since the mountain is made of rock candy, for the first while you can see some of the light kind of shining in through the sides, but the deeper you get, eventually gets to the point where the light isn't able to make it through the candy anymore. It starts to become completely dark. Ow. Sorry, that's... My nose ran into the wall. Um... Can you guys... Can you guys smell the sweet smell? I can't tell... I think it's coming more from the right. I think that's probably where we should go. The entire mountain is made of candy. Are you sure you're not just smelling the mountain? But it smells stronger coming from my right. And there's a little bit more of a hint of something rotting coming from there. So I think we might maybe should go that way. Aye, the sweet smell of meat. The true, absolute treat of a pirate. I think we should follow your nose. I'm going to pull out a little bit of flint and steel and see that it is just turned into candy wrappers and see if I can rub it together to create a little bit of fire for my makeshift torch. Roll to make an advantage flashily. Perfect. Well, wouldn't you know it? My plus three ability and I roll a natural minus one. So that's going to be a plus two. All right. So you start rubbing the candy wrappers together and the other two are just like, what the heck are you doing, Captain Gmo? But oddly enough, you're not sure what's going on with this candy quality, but sure enough, sparks begin to come off of the candy wrappers and you find a little, uh, one of those croissant sticks on the ground and that catches fire pretty easily and you hold it up and you can see the fire beginning to refract in beautiful ways through the rock candy around you, catching the light and scattering it off in these wonderful patterns across the walls. And you continue going down that hallway and you start to remember uh, a few of the verses of that cryptic rhyme talking about scary things being on the other side in the bunker. So uh, we're going to do some little flashbacks real quick. So with each of our characters, you being pirates, there are probably regrettable things that you've done in your past. Let's start with uh, Captain Gmo. Before you set sail on this adventure that led you to Desert Island, what was something you did far back in your past that you regret? When I was but a young buccaneer, I went sailing to sea, and me dear mother, bless her soul, took care of me all me young life. And when I left her, it broke her heart. But I was young and impetuous and rebellious, and on my way out the door, I said some unkind things, some untrue things. But it was the last I ever saw of her. For when I returned, she was no more. I never can forgive myself for leaving her in that state. So our uh, mother's favorite child, maybe not quite as favorite of a child anymore after this experience. Sue, what was something that you did before you got to Desert Island that you regret? Well, when they put this little chippy in my head, First of all, it really hurt. They didn't put me under, but it only hurt like like when you get a shot, but that also hurts really bad too. And I got really, really hungry, so they let me, you know, roam about because I could talk and I could handle myself, and they let me go to the kitchen and eat in the fridge any of the food in there. And I got a little tummy ache, so I was trying to find the bathroom, and I stumbled into the main kind of situation room where they have the explode the building button, and I kind of threw up on it because I ate too much, and it malfunctioned, 
and I heard the countdown, so I got out, but nobody else got out. They all um, didn't have a very good time. You don't say. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Talon, what is something that you did in your distant past that you regret? Um, well, one time with my old captain, I didn't do a very good job, uh, scrubbing the deck. And, uh, I tell you, I regret that. But let, let me tell you why. Uh, he <laughs> took me aside. He said, Talon, you've done a terrible job scrubbing me deck. So for the next week, you're on chamber pot duty. And to make sure you don't screw up that like you screwed up this... Each time you clean it, that'll also be your bowl for the next meal. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I I made sure with my next captain that I wouldn't make any mistakes like that again. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the trauma that I have unknowingly dug into with these characters. Okay. But yeah, so you turn this corner in the tunnel that you're walking through, and you hear what sounds like voices up ahead. Quiet now. Perhaps this desert island isn't deserted. Wait, did I say desert? I meant dessert. You know what I meant. Yes, perhaps we're not alone. <laughs> and as you continue creeping forward, uh, everybody go ahead and roll to overcome sneakily real quick. Zero. Zero. Last one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, you turn the corner and you peek around and you can see the individuals who are making that uh, conversation up ahead. They also rolled a zero, so Sue's plus one barely manages to edge you guys into not being noticed by these individuals. Um, but as you peer around, you know, Sue on the bottom, Talon up above her, and Jima on the very top, kind of Three Stooges style, peer around the edge of the cavern here, and you can see there's kind of a room of sorts that's been dug out in this rock candy tunnel, this chamber of sorts. And it's actually pretty well lit. You can see that there are um, some lanterns. They look like they're just giant gushers that are somehow glowing from the inside. These bioluminescent gushers that are stuck to the walls. And there's a table set in the center, a big old digestive biscuit. And on top of that is a teapot. And you see there are three individuals seated around this table. And they're drinking tea and they're chatting with each other. And each of you recognizes one of these individuals. The three people that you see seated around this table are Captain Gimo's mother, the lead scientist of the research facility that put the microchip in Sue's head, and Talon's old captain. Mommy? Oh no. Adam just gonna abandon all pretense of sneaking and run in there. All right, you go rushing forward calling for your mother, and these three individuals, they stop and turn towards you with big smiles on their faces, and your mother stands up and says, Oh, Gregory, it is a delight to see you here. It has been some time. Will you not join us for a cup of tea? Of course, mother. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I just need to beg you for your forgiveness. I wasn't a good son. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to grab a cookie. You rush over and you kind of kneel before her with this cookie that you're just chomping on in your mouth. And you grasp her hand, and as you look up at her face, uh, have you ever seen the movie Coraline? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> In the place of where her eyes should be, you see two peppermint candies with the red swirls going in towards the center. And as you look into those eyes, you can swear that you see the swirls kind of spiraling inward, almost as if they're trying to pull you in. 
Mummy? Gregory? I am so delighted to have you here. I would love to have you here forever, for the rest of time. And as you're holding her hand in your own, you can feel this is not regular hand. This is gingerbread. And you look around and you can see your mother, the captain, the head scientist. These are all gingerbread facsimiles of the people that you know. And they begin to stand up and circle around Captain Gimo, all of them just nodding with those smiles on their faces. Yes, we would love to have you here for the rest of forever. I turn to my little buddy next to me and I go, don't worry, I can eat all of them. Let's go. And I'm going to go run up and I'm going to just chop down onto uh, Gimo's mom. (laughs) All right. Well, sounds like we're getting into a conflict here. So uh, we're going to, I mean, obviously Sue was the one who initiated this conflict. So you're the one who gets to go first in this exchange. So you rush up, you bite down. That seems like a pretty forceful attack against Gimo's mother. So roll to attack with forceful. She is going to roll to defend. Uh, She doesn't notice you coming. So she's going to roll to defend uh, with clever to see if she notices that you're coming. Hey, McKenna, are you okay if Talon rides Sue into the room? Oh, absolutely I'm okay with that. Okay. Hurry, hurry, Talon, get on my back! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, absolutely, yes. All right, so Sue, what did you roll for your attack? A plus three. Gimo's mother rolled a minus two. So you managed to come in and I mean, this is a straight up sneak attack here. Even though you're just kind of barreling in as a bear, uh, they don't know you're there. So you just kind of rip into Gimo's mother's back and you can feel the candy floss that her dress is woven from rending beneath your claws. And Gimo's mother is made out of gingerbread. She's not particularly sturdy, uh, I mean, you. She's she's dead. How? What does this look like as you just <laughs> eviscerate this gingerbread horror? Okay, so Stalin's gonna get on my back, and then we're gonna start riding up, riding up, and then I'm gonna like kind of rear up like a horse kind of does, and then just like bite into her and claw into her, and it's kind of like you know when you see in movies like animals just like and just eating up, and crumbs are flying everywhere. That's what this is looks like. And at the end, I'm not going to do it even though I want to. I'm going to let out a really long burp. <laughs> like Cookie Monster style crumbs flying everywhere? Yeah, yeah, like that. And I'm just going to look up at Talon and go, oh, that was really good. I'm a little filled up on that one. You should probably take the next one. Uh, real quick, before we get to Talon, the head scientist from the lab that you escaped from, he turns towards you, Sue, with a frown and he says, Oh, Sue, don't you remember that cookies are a sometimes food? And begins to move towards you menacingly. Uh, But Talon, it is your turn. What would you like to do? Uh, I'd like to jump off and uh, try and take the handle of my broom staff and just kind of uh, punch it through this guy's gingerbread head. All right. Okay, yeah, since you're making this kind of a called shot going specifically for the head, I'll say you can attack carefully. That is going to be a plus two. All right. He rolls to defend quickly, tries to dodge out of the way, gets another minus two. Holy cow. Um, my gingerbread guys stink. So yeah, you get four shifts of damage to this guy 
And once again, you know, pretty flimsy cookie sort of physiology. Uh, what does this look like as you destroy the second of the gingerbread individuals? So I stand up on Sue's back and I go, she can have cookies whenever she'd like. And I jump <laughs> off through the air and uh, kind of in the air with both hands, bring the broom back over my head and uh, then just bring it right down on his forehead. All right. And he's kind of looking up at you as you come in from above and you kind of like popsicle skewer him through his forehead, down through his cookie body. And as the body goes limp, you've just got like this sort of gingerbread popsicle situation almost on the end of your broom. And you kind of shake him off and the gingerbread falls to the ground and just crumbles into pieces. Okay. And with that, while Captain Gmo's still shaking off his hypnosis, uh, I'll say my old captain can go next. All right. And this final captain, so if if we're looking at like a sort of cinematic camera move, we've got like a close-up on Talon's face as he's just finished destroying this other gingerbread person, pulls the broom up in front of his face, kind of sword style, and the camera pans over and we see Talon's old captain rise up from the bottom of the frame behind him and pulls out a cutlass made out of what appears to be a broken shard of lollipop and he's gonna come in from behind and try to attack you forcefully, getting only a minus one this time. What do I roll to defend? What does your defense look like? Well, since he's coming from behind, I'd say I would have to notice he's there. All right, yeah, roll to defend with clever then. Okay, and that is a zero. So you still succeed with one shift against this guy. Oh, man. So, yeah, he comes in from behind, tries to slash at you, but you notice him just at the last moment and kind of duck and roll out of the way, and you hold your broom staff back in his direction defensively, and he looks down and says, Oh, you're going to be eaten out of more than just chamber pots for your next meal, laddie. Um, would I get any benefit to winning that roll by even more? So... If you succeed with style on a defend action, not only does your opponent not get what they want, but you get a boost. Okay, I was wondering if I could invoke more edible than usual to have my cat jump off and try and eat the old captain. Oh yeah, so your cat, like you've told your cat the stories in the dead of night when you're kind of in your bunk by yourself, just sort of trying to cry your way to sleep, thinking about your past traumas. You've told your cat about this horrible captain who used to enslave you, kind of Charles Dickens-esque, the horrible taskmaster. And so your cat knows what's up. The cat just leaps out towards this guy. And so the boost that I'm going to give you is feline fury. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Now that it is the end of your old captain's turn, uh, we're going to pass the turn to Captain Gmo. I'm going to tear my eyes away from the horrid scene in front of me, realizing that I've been bamboozled and hoodwinked. And with that, I'm going to fly into a furious rage and attempt to, with my weapon lying on the ground next to me, I'm going to stomp on it so that it like flips up into the air and then catch it backhanded by the hilt so that I can just slice it up the back of the gingerbread man in front of me. Nice. Roll to attack flashily. He's going to try and defend with clever to see if he notices and only gets a plus one. 
Uh, can I invoke mother's favorite child from flying into this rage about seeing this facsimile of my mother to get a plus two? Yeah, for sure. All right, that boosts it to a plus seven. <laughs> Wasn't necessary, but I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, with six shifts of damage, uh, as you destroy the final of these three, what does your awesome kill look like? I rake my rapier up his back and with a perfect, like a, like a cookie cutter, he just splits in half and with the pommel of my sword, I hit the top and he just crumbles into perfect little cookie squares and piles up. And I look down at it and I say, just like mother used to make. <laughs> with his final breath, this captain before his head finally crumbles into squares. He looks up at you and goes, eat me, and spits some frosting into your eye. <laughs> Not missing the Shrek references this time around. <laughs> <laughs> The heart's regrets are brought to life. Drink up, young lad, drink up. To bring our heroes pain and strife. Drink up, young lad, and sing. Defeat the past if you'd press on. Drink up, young lad, drink up. To find where those before have gone. Drink up, young lad, and sing. Slicing through the bubbling foam, our course is set for home, sweet home. Fill your mug in the breaking waves will toast the root beer see this day. But yeah, everything goes silent once more in this chamber as you've got just these crumbled bits of gingerbread and their various uh, candy decorations lying around you. Um, does anybody have like any bags on them that we could make like, I don't know, if I walk on my four feet instead of maybe when I walk on my two feet that are like saddlebags? Does anybody have some of those? Are you, are you trying to take the candy with you? Yeah, and the cookies, just for the road. I would appreciate if we could have some just for me to snack on, like if I do like a good job at something or if I'm just hungry or if it's just a dull moment, I could snack. Sue, I want to thank you for shaking me out of my revelry there. I was confused and misled. For you, I'll find a way. That being said, I don't know if you realize that everything is edible here, uh, e even us, not uh, morally, you know, but we could even be eaten, especially by you, I'm just saying, but if you're really into these cookies, I'll fashion a bag for you. I mean, they're just really good. I really liked your mom. She's a good cookie. Um, and I... Um... And I just, it's, they're already broken into pieces. And so that way I just don't have to work as hard for it. Like if I wanted to eat the mountain, I'd have to go bite the wall. And sometimes that's hard, but these are broken into pieces and they could just go right in my pocket. I'm gonna reach to my back and pull off one of my satchels and I'm gonna put the old captain into one of them and sling it over Sue's back for her. There you are. I, uh, I don't quite feel right with uh, you eating my mother like that, but I do appreciate it. How about this old salty sea dog? Uh, maybe it's uh, salted caramel. I don't know. You'll have to tell me when you try it. I'll take, a, I'll take a couple bites and then I'll shove like his whole hand in my mouth. And true enough, it is salted caramel. Would you look at that? That's delicious. All right. Well, 
hold on, I gotta get one more. Um, do you guys think that maybe we should keep going forward? Um, actually, I don't care what your thoughts are. I'm gonna continue going forward, but actually, no. I'm gonna look around the room first. Is there anything, like, about people living here? Roll to overcome with clever. Plus two. Nice. Yeah, you start examining uh, the area around you, and it was odd when you got here that this area just kind of widens out suddenly into the kind of this very well sort of manicured room almost, and you start to look at the scratch patterns on the rock candy, and this was definitely dug out. You can see that there are marks of tools, of picks, and of shovels on the walls and on the floor, and they seem to indicate that further down this tunnel, maybe there's more civilization. Can I get one of the glowing gushers off the wall for extra light? Yeah, you reach up and you pull it off. It's kind of mushroom-like. There's a little stock connecting it to the wall, and now you've got kind of this little handle for your glowing gusher. I would also like to pull one off the wall, but I want to eat it to see if it burns my mouth since it's glowing. Um, and just kind of while we're walking, I'm going to eat along with that because I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know if they ever made glow-in-the-dark gushers IRL, um, but if they did, then they probably would have gotten shut down by the FTA. Your stomach starts to get a little bit herpy. Oh, I think I ate one too many of something. Probably that gusher. You guys seeing anything out there? I'm gonna put my hand on Talon's shoulder and say, I'm proud of you. You did good back there, boy. And that ingenuity with this glowing mushroom of mushy candy, this place is really bizarre. I'm not in my element, but you seem to be doing pretty well. So I'm proud of you, Talon. Well done. Oh, th thank you, sir. Um, I realized back there that we actually all killed uh, each other's uh, demons, you know? That's probably, like, poetically significant to how we're growing as a team or something. I would leave poetry out of this. Last time we tried, it was a bit of a mess, but I'll take your word for it. Sue, I don't really see... Well, what's that up ahead? And I'm, I'm gonna, without regard for his feelings, I'm gonna rip the glowing gusher out of Talon's hand and hold it up to get a better light. And you can see that the path you're walking down opens up into a much, much larger cavern. This one looks very natural as opposed to the one you just came out of. And this one is surprisingly well lit. You can see even from here, there are various bonfires stationed around the perimeter of this cavern. And as you look in, uh, you can hear the sound of fizzing waterfalls hitting the root beer sea below. And it appears that you found some sort of grotto or inlet from the sea into this underground cavern. And as you peer in, you can see there are ships made out of candy and various other sweets. And milling about the uh, waterline, there are tons and tons of individuals walking along the docks. There are buildings up on the shore and kind of sprawling up the side of the cavern as well. And as you peer down and start to look at these individuals, you notice that to varying degrees, it's like, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got the crew members of the Flying Dutchman. The longer they spend on the ship, the more they start to change. Except instead of people with like shark heads and seaweed hair, you look down and you can see, okay, here's a guy who looks mostly like a regular human, but his head is just a gummy bear's head. 
you look over to this individual and see instead of like seaweed hair coming down, it's like instead those sour straws growing out of her head. All of these people, it seems like the longer they've been here, the more they start to transform to match the environment around them. And none of them have noticed you yet, but you see like this entire pirate community just bustling around down in this cavern. I want to lick my fingers. Do they taste like anything? They definitely taste a little bit like some residual gingerbread, uh, but you begin to kind of taste a little deeper, and it's like, mm, my fingers definitely do taste a little mintier than they did before. <gasps> All right, team, I've got a plan. I want to capture one of these things, see what they know, and see what we can learn. I think that's a great idea, sir. I'll do it. And I start running out to the nearest one to grab it. <laughs> All right, yeah. You go inside and you can see there's a pretty intricate sort of system of scaffolding here around the upper walls of the cavern. And there's this person there who's got like some chisels and a hammer made out of like um, Jolly Ranchers and whatnot. And he's carving away at something in the wall. And you rush up from behind. Go ahead and roll to attack with Sneaky. That is going to be a plus three. Here, hold a minus three. I need, I need, I'm going to switch dice. This is a mid-recording dice switch right here because <laughs> these guys suck. Sometimes it's needed. That is, I mean. Put them in your dice, jail. Have you rolled a positive number this session? I rolled a single plus one, but that was because the individual had a plus one modifier. Oh, no. So now I am playing with my fancy human pulse heartbeat fate dice. They were on Amazon last time I checked, but there are only a few left. If you're interested in getting some fancy fake dice on Amazon, uh, I'll, I'll like post a picture up on our social or something so you can see what they look like. They're pretty sweet. Um, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, just cool dice. So yeah, you rush up from behind and it's like the easiest thing that you've ever done. You have this newfound confidence and courage welling up inside of you, especially now that your bitter rival is out of the way. There's nobody else to impede your rise to the top. So you rush up behind and you've got like uh, one of your bandanas that you've soaked in like that sour spray and you put it over his nose and just chloroform this guy with sour spray <laughs> and pull him back into the tunnel with you and he's unconscious on the ground. Uh, I'm gonna take some of his sour gummy hair and pull it off and use it to tie up his wrists and ankles and then take some of the uh, crush, I'm gonna like chip away at the rock candy walls until I get some powder and spray it with some of the sour spray to make a little like improvised smelling salt and hold it under his nose to wake him back up. Yeah, and as you start to get a closer look at this guy, that gummy hair that you're pulling off, this guy's just like a straight up Sour Patch kid. You can tell this guy's been here for a long time because there's not much that's actually human left of him. Just this gummy, sour-coated individual. But you wave the smelling salts under his nose and his eyes flutter open and he goes, Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Newbies, you made it through the horrors. You made it through the warped visions that this island tries to foist upon the mind. Um, yes, and, uh, well, I'm sorry to have to tie you up. We just didn't know whether you were going to be friendly or not. Oh, if, if you found your way here, then you've made it through the worst so far. Well, actually, that's not true. There might be worse yet to come. But uh, we should introduce you to Captain Rhubar Beard. He'll be more than happy to see that we've got more people on our side now. There's another captain here. 
I step out of the shadows and I confront the gen- the uh, Sour Patch Man. He's not a kid. He's a man. <laughs> and he looks up towards you and says, Captain Rubard Beard is the crustiest old sailor who ever did walk the boards of our fine port. I mean, literally, like pie crust. He's he's a pie man now. <laughs> what happened to you? Here, I'll let the captain tell you. And I lean over and whisper, Why are you so upset, sir? There was another captain back there. Yeah, why do you think I killed him? Oh, I thought it was because you cared about... Never mind, we'll go with the new captain. (laughs) (laughs) And you... (laughs) You begin following the Sour Patch Man down through the scaffolding, and people are looking up and noticing you as you're moving past, and they're turning towards each other and talking in hushed voices as you move in. And eventually they lead you to the most impressive of the structures, kind of right on the waterfront area. And the Sour Patch Man goes and he knocks on the door, uh, this big old door that's just like an entire bar of chocolate. And you hear footsteps from the other side and the door begins to swing open slowly and you can see an imposing figure walking out through the doorway and his fine sort of captain's duster coat is made entirely of rhubarb leaves, like kind of stitched together. And his skin is flaky and golden brown. His eyes, a pair of strawberries blinking at you. But most impressive by far is the big beard of just rhubarb stalks growing right out of his chin. And as he walks out of this very cottagecore-looking cottage that he is apparently living in, he stops and pauses and gives you all a once-over with his eyes and says, Well, it is fine to see that we have no individuals to join our team. Um, well, uh, with all due respect, sir, we were more looking for a way off the island, not to stay. Ah, yes. Perhaps I should introduce you to the subtleties and intricacies of the strange place you find yourselves in. Please join me inside. And he, uh, steps aside from the doorway and gestures you towards a very well-appointed table with some very cushy-looking marshmallow chairs all around it. Well... This is quite the captain's quarters you have here. I had a nice set myself. It uh, sank. Oh, wow. It's hard to believe that was only this morning. Or maybe it was yesterday. Time seems to be a bit strange on this island of yours. But we sank off, off of the coast a little while ago, and now we're here. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about where we are and why you look the way you do. No offense intended. No offense taken. Time is not the only thing that is strange upon this island. Do you believe in ghost stories? Oh, oh of course I do. I've heard rumors and tales of, of ghosts all over the world. Yes, well, the place you find yourselves currently is as strange as it is because Desert Island is the land of the dead. For, for pirates, at least. I don't know about everybody else, but if you're a pirate and you die, you come to Desert Island, and it is a bad limbo place where horrible things happen to those who do not know how to stand up for themselves. What? Tell me, what is the last thing you remember before you arrived at our shores? There was a terrible storm, and we were battered about. Many of our crew were lost, but we survived. This can't be the, the afterlife for pirates. We're... We're still alive. Wait, Jim died on the island. There's no way. 
unless, and I look around, is there like a serving boy in here or anything? Uh, there is a serving boy, but it is unfortunately not Jim. It's just a little like rabbit marshmallow peep. Oh, thank goodness. So he is really dead. <laughs> oh, you gave me a fright there. Well, maybe no one dies here. Maybe he's just, maybe the reason the storm's so bad is that you get stuck in it, but you live through the whole thing as you get buried by coconut flakes. And maybe he's stuck under a mountain of coconut flakes feeling like he can't breathe, but he has to live through the whole thing. And you notice a smile slowly creeping across Talon's face as he says all this. <laughs> oh my young mind, I am terribly sorry to hear about your loss. Your friend sounds like he was a fine individual, someone who is certainly not worthy of death. I think we can all agree that he wasn't worthy of anything. <laughs> Oh, that is sad to hear. But let me tell you of our ambitions. Those of us who have been here upon desert island for an extended time have occasionally seen those who have tried to make it beyond the beyond back into the land of the living. And he points out one of the windows of his cottage core cottage, and you can see at the far side of the cavern that you're in, there's a bit of light kind of refracting in from the root beer sea as it leads out into some passageways that presumably lead out to the sea outside the island. And he says, I have seen many friends who have sailed out through that channel, trying to make it back to the land of the living. None have come back. Whether they made it back or whether they are out there in the storm for eternity, we do not know, but we must try. I am preparing myself and my people for the greatest expedition of our lives to make it back to the land of the living. And you have come at just the right time because we're going to christen the boat bay. Well, I've always been the one leading the christening, so it'll be nice to sit back and let someone else take the helm for a little bit. And you see my face kind of beginning to flush with anger and frustration at the indignity of another captain. <laughs> And he steps up next to you and he puts an arm around you in a comrade-like embrace and with the other hand kind of pats you on the chest a couple times, uh, a little bit harder than is comfortable. And he says, Now, if a captain like yourself has managed to make it through the horrors that the island does, that's, well, that's one of the things that the limbo does. He's, it takes all of the bad stuff that's happened in the past and manifests it physically as a barrier in front of you. If you were to make it past that, you must be a man of great ability. Would you like to outfit one of these ships? Well, now we're talking. <clears throat> uh, if you don't mind, could you step back just a little bit? I, I am allergic to rhubarb. <clears throat> oh, goodness, I, I am terribly sorry, my friend. Ta Talon, Talon, one of my pens. Please. <laughs> I happy been him. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're a good, you're a good lad. Yes, I'll, I'll be glad to outfit one of these ships and take it on its maiden voyage. You should be careful, sir. But my epipens are dwindling quickly as more and more of them turn into vials of sour spray. <gasps> no, I'm allergic to sour spray. <sighs> then we must move quickly. Captain Rhubarb Beard uh, leads you back out through the door and he starts showing you a vast array of different ships that are here in the shipyard. 
and there are some that uh, the hole is like half of a those hollow like chocolate Easter eggs just sliced off along the long ways end. So it's just kind of like floating in the root beer there. Some of them are made of what appears to be like bricks of like those little Lego candy bricks all stacked on top of each other and kind of mortared together. But eventually he leads you to one that it's not as large as the other, but you can tell it has a very sleek sort of form factor to it, a very quick looking ship. And this one appears to be made out of kind of a framework of pixie sticks with some fruit roll-ups wrapped around it, kind of forming just this nice lightweight but rigid frame that will allow this ship to move very quickly. And Captain Rhubarb Beard says, Thy shape can be yours if you would like it. Sue, so you must be careful not to eat it. <sighs> I can't make any promises, but that's why I got my pirate cookies. And I'm gonna take one off and shove it in my mouth and kind of let, let sit in my mouth for a little bit so I don't get too tempted. Captain Shimo, I think this is a good idea. I think this is a grand idea, but I think, well, they didn't make me captain for nothing. Mind if I make a few modifications to your here fine vessel? Yes, of course, I am a captain, but not perhaps the best ship, right, unfortunately. You can make as many changes to our fine skimmer here as you like, but before you do that, I believe some jubilation is in order. And he gets up on top of a barrel and pulls out a cowbell and kind of starts banging on it. And all of the other pirates throughout this cavern turn and look at him and he says, Tonight we sail for freedom, but first a feast for our new friends. And everybody begins cheering and clapping and whooping and hollering. And you look around at all these people who you can tell that they've lived a very terrible life here in limbo, but who are ready to make it on to a better life and who are ready to try and bring you along with them. And that is where we're going to pick up next time on Improv Tabletop. This limbo made for buccaneers. Drink up, young lad, drink up. Where each dead pirate disappears. Drink up, young lad, and sing. With ships prepared to face the way. Drink up, young lass, drink up. Each hero set their souls to sing. Drink up, young lass, and sing. Slicing through the bubbling foam, our course is set for home, sweet home. Fill your mug in the breaking waves, we'll toast the root beer sea this day. Thanks for listening to our show today. We'll be back next week with the thrilling conclusion of our adventures in the world of Desert Island. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe, maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a polar bear with a satchel full of dead person cookies if you would give us a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. Like, just just think of, think about Sue, think about this, this wonderful polar bear, and imagine the joy coursing through that polar bear's heart at the sight of this bag of cookies. That is how happy you could make us feel if you would give us a positive review, and we would love you greatly for it. We are also on Twitter at Improv Tabletop, as well as Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag ImptabSetting or hashtag ImptabAspect, or you can comment on one of our posts on Instagram or Facebook as well. Let's go around and do a round of plugs. 
Today, I would like to talk about a podcast that I enjoy very dearly. It is called The Empty Bowl. It is hosted by Justin McElroy and Dan Goubert. Justin McElroy being one of the hosts of My Brother, My Brother and Me. Uh, he's on The Adventure Zone. And Dan Goubert is the owner of a serial blog, uh, what I would say is probably the premier serial blog, Serialistly.net. And every couple of weeks, they get together for half an hour and they just talk about serial. And they have like nice sort of wave ambiance going in the background, some sort of Tibetan singing bowl music going on. It is a meditative podcast about cereal. All you have to do is just think about cereal for half an hour. And if you're wondering how does somebody make a podcast about cereal interesting, I don't know how they do it, but they do. It's really freaking good. So go check out The Empty Bowl. Evan, you got anything going on? Uh, you know what? You just inspired me. I was going to uh, take a week off from the performance art, but uh, now I think I'm going to take a 24-hour uh, bath in the world's largest bowl of cereal. So <laughs> keep an eye out on Guinness for that one. Man, there's there's a lot of interesting things at play here. I mean, just taking 24 hours in a bath of any sort uh, would do some very interesting things to your body. I've never soaked myself in milk before for any duration of time, so I don't know what that is going to do to you, and I'm not sure I want to see the result. Well, then keep your eyes off, Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christian, you got anything going on? Absolutely, yeah. Um, very serendipitously, sort of matching up with what happened today, I have actually started my own business recently. Uh, it's called Fun Funeral Confectionaries. Uh, we will take anyone. They have to be dead can be a pet, can be a person, anyone, and we will go ahead and make cookies in their image. Uh, cookies, cakes, uh, anything like that, and we will go ahead and make sure that the funeral is a fun time for everyone. Uh, we don't do pinatas anymore after an unfortunate testing incident that had some people very upset, but cookies, cakes, candies, you got it. Just uh, look us up online, I'm sure you'll find us. When you began the <laughs> sentence, we will make cookies... I'm very glad that you ended it with in their image instead of out of their corpse. No, that, that didn't test well when we tried that. Gotcha. It's it's all about, you know, taking the risks, making sure that the uh, market is into what you're producing. So I'm glad you've done some QC, that you've done some market research. And, you know, I, I hope that goes well for you, my dude. Yeah, I'll keep you in the loop. I'll keep you in the loop. Nice. McKenna, you got anything going on? Well, yeah. So I've been thinking about toilets lately, Ned. <laughs> just lately? <laughs> just just lately. Partially because I've had to go to the bathroom for the last 30 minutes. But also <laughs> because if you have a cat, more than likely they will track their number two throughout your home. And so uh, Christian and I have this wonderful attachment on our toilet referred to as a bidet. Um, and I really love it. It gets y'all clean. So I actually decided to also start a business. It's been really busy at our house here with all these businesses, but my business is called Bidet for the Kitte. Um, and it basically will help your cat, you know, get all cleaned off before they step out of the litter box so they don't track everything all around your house. And then you have to uh, go ahead and clean up during like, if you're in the middle of a D&D &D session or if you're in the middle of, you know, like a really exciting episode of SpongeBob, it kind of helps you to not have to worry about all that mess. And it keeps their behind super clean. So check that out. Um, we're gonna be doing some live streams of our cat's litter box so you can see how it works. Um, so join us there. 
I'll just post a link on Twitter whenever I get back on again. Um, so yeah, go ahead, check it out. It's very fortunate that cats love getting sprayed with water so much that that's a very successful thing that you found. I know, I know, yeah. Um, bath time is a really good time at our house, especially after, like, I mean, it won't have to be full on bath time anymore now with the bidet. Um, but we've done quite a few tests on cats and they find this bidet very relaxing. Nice. Well, got a lot of great business efforts going on here, so keep your eyes open for those. Thanks for joining us here in the world of Dessert Island. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Evan Peterson, the newly confident. Christian Randall, the regretful. And McKenna Steele, the stuffed. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop.